I was thinking about what should I name this message today. And, I, and I'll be honest, I struggled. I struggled with this message for weeks, if not months, or even years, just putting it off. I thought it would only be a message that I would use when I'm just out there witnessing to others, trying to be a good evangelist and spreading his word wherever I go. If it be in a plane sitting next to someone or in a school or in a hotel talking to that clerk at the front desk, that any time that we looked at racial division and we got into that conversation because sometimes the places I went, when I walked into the school, I was the only white person in that school. But I could walk into that same town's Walmart and not see a single black person. I have seen so many things. I I remember when I first started working at Fairgrove, one of the best places I ever worked in my life. At the end of that year, we had to get on that bus and ride that bus with our students back to their homes. And someone said that you need to get on bus 193 and see what our district is really about. And when I got on that bus, we rode past two middle schools to get to where those children live. We still are busing our children. We still have children that are in walking distance from Pembroke Middle that go to Rowland or Fairgrove. We have children that live almost three or four blocks away from Lumberton Junior High. And they go to Fairgrove. So I'm always thinking about the differences and the excuses that we make to separate ourselves. That what did the word say about that separation? So I was thinking about titles. I I thought maybe just call it segregation. Then I was like, no, that doesn't sound right. How about the great divide? No, no. How about a new beginning? I kind of like that one. A new beginning. So I was thinking about the new beginnings. And in the scripture, if we look at the New Testament, there was really two new beginnings. And if I really wanted a good title, it would be, God, tear down that veil. Tear down that veil. Because we know when Jesus was hung on that cross, the first veil came down where we no longer had to go to a a priest for the atonement of our sins. That shortly we would have the Holy Spirit within us. And that a new beginning was going to happen. And then the other one was the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. And you think... There was racial lines today within our nation. 
Boy, there were some serious ones back then. And there were laws against Jews talking to Gentiles. So Jesus not only had to break down that first veil, he had to break down another veil. The veil between Gentiles and Jews. And it wasn't going to be easy. So when I was thinking about this, I was thinking that we still have the same divisions that we had had over 2,000 years. And if we looked at our churches within our communities, we would still see those divisions. We have white churches, we have black churches, we have Native American churches, we have Hispanic churches. So if, if I'm thinking that if this veil was supposed to come down, why are we still in pockets? In pockets. So I grew up on an island in Washington State. There was 24 students in my graduation class. Everyone in my school was white. But one person. One teacher. His name was Ozell Jackson. Now, I didn't really know that there was division. Because I looked up to Ozell Jackson like he was my hero. Even in sports, Michael Jackson. I mean, not Michael, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael Jackson was one of my favorite singers. So if you think about it, I like Michael Jackson as a singer. I like Michael Jordan as, as a uh, basketball player. I, I really like Deion um, Sanders as, as that football player. It's like almost even Ken Griffey Jr. was my favorite baseball player. It's like all the heroes of my life we're not the color of my skin. And so I didn't really know the difference until I joined the military. And when I got on that plane from Seattle and I flew all the way over to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and boy, that humidity, I didn't even know that could exist. That was crazy. It was like I was, was trying to swim. Through the air, it was so thick. And, and you know, basic training, they, they taught us one thing, that there was no race. There is no color in the military except green, and that we are all green. And that we serve one thing, and that's that flag. And all of us bleed red. That's what I was taught. So I went through basic training. I went through AIT. Some of my best friends, there were blacks. We had a great time. And I learned so much. And then I went to airborne school because I don't know why. I thought jumping out of airplanes would re remove this fear of heights. It doesn't. <laughs> Believe me, it doesn't. <laughs> you want to remove the fear of heights, just stay away from the heights. <laughs> um. Military is weird because they don't tell you anything. So I'm thinking I'm stationed in Korea. So right out of airborne school, they're going to put me on a plane and send me to Korea. Nah. 
It happened to be December when I graduated from airborne school, and they said, you're going to be on vacation. And I'm thinking, I'm in Birmingham. I'm close to Birmingham. <laughs> no, I'm not really. I'm at Fort Benning, Georgia. Just finished airborne school. I have no money. I don't have a bank card. I don't have anything. And they're saying that your flight to Korea is not until, I think it was January 3rd. And I was like, uh-oh. I didn't plan for this. And I don't know how it happened, but, you know, I called the right people, and they were able to get me on a bus from Fort Benning, Georgia, to Washington State. And that bus trip changed my life. When I got on that bus, I, I still, I mean, all I had was military clothes. I rode in my uniform all the way from Georgia to Washington State. But when we got up to Chicago, I noticed that I was and one other person were the only two white people on the bus. And, and happened to be the people sitting behind me were also had been in the military and they were retired veterans. And we were having a conversation. And, and you know, first thing they asked me, I, don't know why. They said, are you racist? I said, no, no, I believe, I believe in green. <laughs> I'm not racist. <laughs> I, I, not at all. I, I mean, I, I, I serve my country. I, I fight for everyone that, that lives within our country. Um, no, no. And, and, and we had a good conversation. And, and they really questioned me about my beliefs. However, that other white person... Now, let's just put it this way. I don't even know if he's still alive. They literally beat him to a pulp on that bus. And the bus driver stopped and they threw him out. Now, the things he was saying, I would never say. I cringe every time he said them. But I got to see what real racism was. But you know what? From Chicago to Washington State, they became like my best friends, and they treated me like family. And we talked for the next four or five days on that bus. So to me, I don't see the colors of people's skin. I never have. I see your character. I see your love. And I think that's what Jesus wanted us to see, was to see each other's spirit. So if we turn to the word, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 25 through 28. Let's look at what God did to break down that veil of separation between the Gentiles and the Jews. And I'm just going to tell, I told my story of, of how, you know, I was in, encountered the differences of race. Let's look at Peter's story and how God worked through him and Cornelius to break down that veil, to see what the word truly says about segregation. 
So we're in chapter 10, verses 25 through 28. Like I said, I, I love your smiles, your amens. They help me. <laughs> this is a hard one. Um, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any, and I repeat, any man common or unclean. Therefore, I come without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come here today to preach your word, Lord. Just use me as a vessel. Let this word Stand for how it is written, Lord, that we could take this word, apply it to our lives, and think about those racial divides within our communities. Lord, we're at a time that our students will now have to go to a new school. Even those schools that we have loved so much, that we have adopted within our community, are no longer what they used to be. Lord, we have students that will have to go to to Fairmont, to, Lum uh, to Lumberton, to Pembroke, to be with those that they have competed against, Lord, I just ask you that, that racial divide will not conquer our community, Lord. That we could come together, that we put our education first, that we look at this as an opportunity of greatness, that they will have more electives, Lord, that will, they will have more opportunities, Lord, that they will have more people coming and recruiting them, Lord, that they could work together to make this a great year. Lord, every time they do this to us, I just pray that we become more dependent on you to get us through those difficult times. Lord, let us take this word and apply it to our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's, let's travel back just a little bit. I, I, want, I want to go back to Acts chapter 9, verse 40. Because I think we have to see what's happening with Peter at the time. Peter, we, we know, like when we think about Peter, I, first thing that comes to my mind is he denied Jesus three times. And sometimes we don't even really look at what did Peter do after the resurrection, the beginning of the new church. And that how, even though Peter was denied, denied Jesus three times, God still used him. He still used him to break down this veil of division between the Jews and the Gentiles. I don't know if any other one could have done it besides Peter. Now, Peter was doing great things for the Lord, but he was only doing it for the Jews. 
He was only preaching to the Jews. He was only healing the Jews. He was only resurrecting the Jews. He was not doing anything with the Gentiles. Now, everything that Peter was doing was spreading out and everyone was believing in the word of God. They were amazed. Even spread to the Gentiles. But what's going to happen when those great preachers, those ministers, those ones that are spreading the word are saying, hey, this is not for you. You're not a part of us because you're different from us. So if we look in, in, in that verse and, and some of the miracles that, that Peter was doing through Jesus, he said, but Peter put them all out, but knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when Peter saw, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when they called to the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. So Peter was doing great things. But there was limitations. There was limitations just to the Jews. So if, if there's just limitations, and we, we know, I, I mean, I look at the four Gospels, I see it all throughout that what the word was not just for the Jews, it was also for the Gentiles. And this never slowed down Jesus. And I mean, he, he witnessed and, and he preached and he healed. And he, you know, he even raised Lazarus out of the grave. So as I go into the story, now Peter's at a point in his life. He's probably content. He's comfortable with just preaching to the Jews. But there was a faithful man. A faithful man named Cornelius. Um, he, he was a satirian, what you would call a Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God, and all, and all of his household feared God. So Cornelius was praying. He got down on his knees and he prayed. And the angel came down, and Cornelius feared the angel. And the angel said to Cornelius, sin for Peter. Sin for Peter. Now, I'm thinking, okay, that's easy. He sent a devout um, soldier and two of his servants. And then I got to thinking, well, would Peter's house even let the devout soldier in? They wouldn't. There was no way that those three could talk to Peter without God. Because God needs to tear down that veil between the Jews and the Gentiles. So, you know, Peter, praying, he got on his knees and started praying. And then all of a sudden, God put him into a trance. And in this trance, he was hungry. And then all of a sudden, the sheet comes down. And on the sheet was all these different animals. And God says, 
kill, and eat. And you think, well, Peter, after already denying Jesus three times, would he really deny Jesus a fourth time? Here's what Peter said in verse 14 in chapter 10. He said, but Peter said, not so. Not so, Lord, for I had never eaten anything uncommon or common or unclean. Because right there, that verse right there says that Peter has never talked to the Gentiles. Peter was set in his ways. It was almost like Peter was protecting the laws of the Pharisees. That he was creating this divide. And it took God three times saying, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. When Jesus died on that cross, he died for everyone. Everyone in this world, in the past, the present, and the future. He died for all of our sins. He died not just for the Jews. He died not just for the Gentiles, but he died for everyone. So, when, when these, these servants came to Peter, God told Peter, Peter's in a prayer. He said, don't doubt them. Go speak to them. See, God had to intervene. He had to get Peter on one accord with him, his will. Because there was a great divide. There was a racial line that no one was crossing. So, Peter finally goes and meets Cornelius. And Peter's asking, so what do you need? Cornelius just said, I need you to preach to us. Preach your word. Uh, Cornelius told Peter the dream that he had. And Peter did what the Lord asked. And he preached the word. And when he preached the word, the Holy Spirit fell on to the Gentiles. And just like the Jews, they were told to be baptized. Now, this was just a new beginning. Peter even stayed for a few days. I wonder if Peter enjoyed the food for the first time. And, you know, when I used to think about the scripture, I thought it was just about the food. But when I was looking at it, that one line just really stood out to me. You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to another nation. There, there were laws, probably just like the Jim Crow laws that we had here at one time, to divide our nation. Now, it doesn't just end there, because Peter had to do one more thing. Peter had to go back to the disciples. And when Peter went back to the disciples, we can see in chapter 11, the second part of verse um, 3, saying, you went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. It wasn't a question. It was an exclamation mark at the end of this sentence. Peter had to now defend 
God's grace. This racial divide between the Jews and the Gentiles. And you know what? Some of the words, what they said about each other were not sensitive. But you know what happened? Peter told the testimony. Told the testimony of how Cornelius had this dream, how Peter had the dream that he was obedient to God. He went to Cornelius. He preached to Cornelius and all those that gathered around and that the Holy Spirit fell on to the Gentiles and that they were speaking in tongues and that they went forth. And as they received the Holy Spirit, he commanded them to be baptized. And at the very end, in chapter 18 of this testimony, they finally said, and I'll read verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent. And they glorified God, saying that God has also granted the Gentiles repentance to life. That's Peter's story of how he crossed that line of racial differences. That even though he knew it was unlawful, and he was even hesitant at the beginning, he decided that he was going to follow God. And when he followed God, great things happened. When we follow God, great things will happen. We could learn exactly what God thinks of segregation right here in this scripture. It is very clear that he tore down that veil of segregation. That there is no difference. What God wants us to do is look at the spirit in others. So when our students go to these new schools, they should do the same. Look for others that are are like-minded. Make new friends. Don't let the division of our our county, and I know it's it's hard, and I'll, I'll be honest. It's even affecting my family in so many different ways. I mean, my wife right now, uh, I mean, she went to college to be a librarian. That was her life goal. That's what she wanted to do in life. And for the last couple of years, she has had that opportunity. But she doesn't even know she will be a librarian next year. They haven't even told her. Said the letters might go out on Monday. You know, and I think about the support staff, the secretaries, the janitors. When schools close, where do they go? What do they do next? There's a lot of people that still don't even know if they have a job next year. And school starts in a couple of weeks. It's like they're not even given time to prepare. They, they don't even know. I mean, my wife asked me the question, you know, she was offered, or not offered, but she was given an opportunity to apply for some other places, like in Virginia. And, you know, it. What do I say as a supporting husband? If she, she wants to be a librarian, I always want to empower those around me to attain your goals. Yeah. 
Um, so I pray that she has a job as a librarian. Even Greg, he didn't even know. He, he was looking all over, and he just had one more year until retirement. It's affecting so many people within our church. And I know there's got to be a lot of frustration about it. But like the pastor told me in the book study that, that they're going through, that sometimes it takes a miracle. When we serve the Lord to accomplish the impossible, it takes a miracle. Not though that we get glory for the miracle, but he gets glory for that miracle. So, I, you know, looking at my notes, that, you know, I really didn't want to give this message. I, it's a hard mes- message. Um, because, you know, there is a lot of pride, and there's a lot of pride in who we are. I just think that pride should be as, as we are Christians. That, that, that pride is because we serve a great Lord. Uh, that pride is because we know that he'll be with us so that we could overcome the impossible. You know, at first, I didn't know why the Lord wanted me to give this message. But I got a text. And sometimes when you're in the word and you're deep and you're looking like, Lord, why do you want me to preach this? He gives you that reason. I'm not going to say who this text is from, but it kind of puts us where we are at. And it tied right into the scripture. The text starts out like this. It's good morning. I just want to share something on my heart that I am praying that we as a church body and representatives of Christ can embrace and endorse. The consolidation of schools will be impacting many young lives emotionally, socially, and educationally. My desire is for us to talk with our students at church about being the lights in their school, not prejudging as in 1 Samuel 2.16, being kind and compassionate, like Ephesians 4.32, and not stirring up wrath. It is hard for us all to look outside our very little view of the world, and even harder for egotistical youth, yes, sometimes that word means that we think about ourselves instead of those around us. Even most of the research says that we, we kind of evolved from that, from being all about us to being about those around us. Um, we should implore them to realize that everyone is the same, that we all have the same hopes, the same dreams, the same feelings, regardless of their skin color, their social economic status, or how they present themselves to the world. Well, some of our Southside kids have attitudes, probably. Their world has been disrupted. No sense of community or friendship based, and people are having prejudiced feelings towards them. They will be outsiders. Teach our kids to welcome them and not be a part of the gossip and ridicule. Don't be insensitive or inflammatory. And yes, 
It is happening. I've already heard it. This is where God's people make a difference. We can make a difference. We have to play the hand we are dealt. There's always a reason. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day. And then if you would confess Him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart and you must be willing to serve Him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.